This is Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast with your hosts, Brandon Spinner and Michael Burns. And welcome into Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Brandon Spinner, alongside one of my good buddies, Michael Burns, back from vacation. <laughs> this is Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast. We'll get to bourbon. We'll get to baseball. But first, I haven't talked to Michael in about a week outside of like 30 seconds of our power ranking podcast earlier this week. So, Mikey, how you doing, man? How was vacay? Vacay, man, I, I got disconnected. I didn't take my phone down. I took my girls to the beach. They got to play in the sand, play by the pool. Really good experience. Got the got my oldest daughter like trusting water. She was uh, floating awesome. in deep ends with floaties and swimming all by herself. Uh, didn't get totally sunburnt, so that was fantastic. <laughs> it's always a win, right? Always a win when you're not toasted like a, a lobster. Uh, cool. It was a little more of an eventful week for me than you uh, in a different way. Yeah. We ended up in the ER with my daughter for the first time in, uh, well, I guess it's the second time, but the first time in her toddler years, uh, ended up with five staples in the back of her head, had a little bit of an uh-oh at school, fell uh, Listen, fell off the playground doing some things she shouldn't have been doing. But uh, Aren't staples like so 19, like 90s? Uh, <laughs> what's, is there not like stuff that they can do, like the thread that will just disintegrate? I, I thought staples uh, were done for. Uh, when the gash is as big as this gash was, yeah, I think staples is the only way to go. And that's all I'll say. Let's just say oh, daddy had a rough day on Monday. Uh, uh, but moving forward, this is why I need the whiskey. Yes, I need the whiskey. <laughs> uh, before we go any further, this is episode 35 of Barrels and Barrels of Bourbon and Baseball podcast. One of my favorite numbers, 35. Uh, and we'll get to that here in a second. But the way we open our episode, if you're new to our podcast, is we talk about who the best player of our episode number is to wear that number in the major league. So episode 35, we're going with Jersey number 35. And just as is tradition, Michael Burns, I assume you have not done any research on said topic. I just Googled it. Thank you. It was, it's, <laughs> it was up right as we hit play on this thing. Ah, uh, yes. About right. About right. Okay. Um, there are a lot of players who wore the number 35 for a decade or longer. Uh, it looks as though we had, on quick glance, I think 12 different players who wore the number 35 for at least 10 years. We have five of them who wore it for 17 or more. One player who wore it for 24 years uh, in his career. And I'm probably leaning that way already as the best number 35. And it's not who I thought it was going to be. I have a soft spot for the number 35. Because my favorite baseball player growing up was the big hurt, Frank Thomas. I see him there. I see him there up on the... He wore number 35 for the second most. Yeah, 19 years between the White Sox, the Oakland Athletics, and the Toronto Blue Jays. But uh, Phil Necro, 24 years. Let alone just have a career that's 24 years long, but use the same number for 24 years. From 1964 to 1987. And he went from one, two, three, four, five teams and didn't well, have to, you know. Yeah. With the number. Te technically five teams, but four franchises because it oh, was the right. Milwaukee Braves and then they became the Atlanta Braves. But yes, five different teams. He didn't have to fight anybody off when he moves teams <laughs> for the number. Usually, you know, a guy moves into a new team and if somebody yeah. has his number, 
he's either asking or trying to buy it from him, or some guys just find a new number. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another couple names that I think are up there in the consideration for the best 35. Uh, We are going Mike Messina and Justin Verlander. And then Bob Welsh was the only other one who wore it for 17 years as well between the Dodgers and the Oakland A's. Uh, To round out, everybody who wore it for 10 years, want to give them their flowers. Mike? Yeah, so uh, you mentioned Bob Welch, one of our one of our guys who helped us uh, through some playoff runs, Cole Hamels, mm-hmm. uh, with the, with the Cubs and see is the Cubs on? He was on the Cubs for two years, eighteen and nineteen. Unfortunately, the mm-hmm. Cubs didn't go anywhere with that. But he no. was Cole Hamels, fantastic with the Philadelphia Phillies and Texas Rangers. Man, he mm-hmm. was a he was a shutdown pitcher. Uh, how do you pronounce that next guy's name, Mike uh, Suella? Yeah, that's what. I was trying to figure that one out. That's when I said Mike, and then you took a <laughs> took the lead. A good transition, but I, I'm going to say Queller. That be or Keeler? I have no idea. Played for the the Cardinals in the '60s, as well as the Houston Astros, and then the Baltimore Orioles. Brandon Crawford, Manny Sanguilan, Woody Fryman, Rich Aurelia. That's a name we should know. Randy Jones, and then you should know the name Matt Morris as well. Show do, show do. I think this is the first time we've had someone so high on the list active still. Oh, you well, Justin got, Verlander. There's still two kind of active because Brandon Crawford's still 13 years in the jersey. He's active as as of today, as far as I know. I don't know how active no, he yeah, is. He, but, he's still the star shortstop for, or he was oh, until I know that, today. But... <laughs> right, right. But I'm, I'm tracking. Um. Yeah, Justin Verlander towards the top of the list there is 17 years. So let's dive into the numbers here. I don't want to get too deep in the weeds, but I'm leaning Phil Necro, uh, of course, Hall of Famer. Dude was a stud um, pitching for uh, the Atlanta Braves much of his career. He did play for the Indians as well as the New York Yankees. He pitched for a long time, 24 seasons. How does your arm not fall off after that many seasons and that 5,404 innings pitched? The How? amount of pitches he had to have thrown in his career. Like he had 245 complete games. So <laughs> pitching was different back then, Matt. Yeah. 45 complete game shutouts. Oh, and to add to it, not only did he start, what is it? 716 games in his career. Uh, he saved 29 games in his career. So he saved every once in a while, but he also started in the same seasons. 318 and 274 with a career ERA of 335. That's I, I don't understand how the guys did it back then. They did not throw maybe just, you know, so I know they didn't throw as hard. But right. it's still amazing to pitch for that long. And they were pitching in four-man rotations back then, too. So they were going on less rest than the players are in today's day and age. So there was no such thing as an innings limit on these guys. <laughs> for a no, they would laugh at Yuri count. Perez. Yes. Uh, another pitcher who... Oh, my boy. Man, this guy was a workhorse. Multiple years in a row going over 200 innings. Uh, he did it with the Baltimore Orioles for the most part, but also with the New York Yankees. We know him as Mike Mussina, 270 and 153, a career war of 82.8. You just don't realize how good he actually was uh, because there's so many studs on that Yankees team that he played on, right? That he kind of got lost between Clemens and you also had Andy Pettit and El Duque. Uh, those, those Yankees teams were stacked. Um, but 
between Phil Negro and Mike Mussina, Phil Negro has got a 95.9 war over 24 seasons. Now, Mussina's was uh, a little shorter than that in 17 year, 18 years um, in the big leagues between the Yankees and the, the Baltimore Orioles. And then Big Frank, man, I don't know well, if there was a more dominant hitter for a eight-year start to his career. You got to go look at these numbers. The guy just made bats look small as he held up there, and he didn't have a yeah. he didn't have a long swing. Um, I saw a lot of his swings. Looking back at '95, we were talking about Luis Robert Jr. Mm-hmm. and uh, the home run derby, and that got me looking at a lot of Frank Thomas because I don't know if he was the last White Sox to be in in '95, which is crazy to think about. Todd Frazier was in it back in 2016, I believe, as a White Sox. Mm-hmm. As a White Sox player. Uh, but yes, Frank and Todd Frazier. Um, and I think someone did it when they were at US Cellular back in the day. But Frank Thomas, his first eight years of his career, batted 330 with an on base percentage of 452, a slugging percentage of 600. That's an OPS. This is not just one season, this is over eight years. 1.053. He hit 257 home runs. 854 RBI with 246 doubles and scored 785 runs. This is in eight years. So he basically scored an average of 98 runs a year. He hit an average of 32 home runs, 31 doubles, and he drove it on an average in eight years, 107, and walked on average 110 times while striking out less than that. The guy has a career MVP type line of 345, batting average, on base percentage, slugging. Well, he was a back-to-back MVP in 93 and 94, and he finished in the top 10 in the MVP from 91 through 97. And again, he was the runner-up in 2000. His 2000 year was insane with 43 bombs. That was one of the uh, better years for the White Sox. Uh, Silver Slugger Award that year. Dude was my favorite player growing up. And even when he went to Oakland in 06, he was the fourth player for MVP voting that year his entire career he, he was the ultimate dh he was a terrible first baseman but uh <laughs> he's my favorite player of all time and i'm a cubs fan i remember when him and paul canerco were on the white Sox together it was mm-hmm. just and then uh maglio ordonia's on this no that was later no maglio was with him as well as oh he was on the 05 team that was his last year but i think he was hurt most of that year but you had maglio you had jermaine uh, die you had carlos lee out in left field carlos ray lee. durham Jose Valentin, Robin Ventura. Uh, I remember a lot of those White Sox teams growing up. But yeah. then the last one is Justin Verlander. He's still playing. He's got a better war than Frank, but uh, uh, he's still playing. He's still pitching. He may ultimately end up, depending on how long he plays from here on out, he could be the best 35 ever. But right now, I'm probably leading towards Phil Negro just for the longevity and just what he did. 5,404 innings. Yeah, he he owns the number for wearing it the most, and it's five years is is a pretty good gap in that in uh, these number comparisons that we've looked at before. So yeah. hard to argue with that. So Phil Necro, the episode thirty five of Barrels and Barrels, a Bourbon and Baseball podcast, is the Phil Necro episode, and I'm kind of bummed. Like you were last week, you were hoping for a That's Gary right. Wood episode. I was hoping for a Frank Thomas episode, but I can I can pull aside my fandom and give it to the guy who deserves it the most. So Phil Necro. That has been our episode Jersey number breakdown on episode 35. Can you believe we're already on 35 episodes, dude? It feels like it's flown by, but also it doesn't. 
It feels like it's I been feel a long like time. we were just talking about the Sammy Sosa episode. It's, I was just looking at the Sammy Sosa episode because we've got sports gambling to talk about later on in our episode here. Let's but we, we are on episode 35. We have rapidly started to grow. And when I say rapidly starting to grow, last week on YouTube, which you might be watching us on YouTube, hit the subscribe button if you haven't done that already. Michael, at last check, we were at 550 subscribers. 550. Last week, we were at 446. So we have gone 104 since our last episode last week in seven days. So I should go on vacation again, right? <laughs> that means Brandon did a lot of work. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But yes, a big thank you to all of you who have already subscribed. We hope you've enjoyed everything you've seen. Continue to subscribe if you haven't done that already. If you're listening on Apple, Spotify, or any of those podcast platforms, head on over to YouTube. We're putting out exclusive content there. That's where you can find our top 10 power rankings. And we're throwing out highlight videos and breakdowns of some games. So go check us out there. Eves of the day. Yeah, plays of the day. And we've got a new thing we're doing on YouTube. We call it the Thieve of the Day. Michael, can you explain what the Thieve of the Day is? Yeah, if you're if you're old enough to remember baseball tonight web gems and you know that doesn't exist anymore, so now you can come to Barrels and Barrels for the Barrels and Barrels Thieve of the Day, so the defensive gem of the day, uh, with an MLB and uh, was it Ellie Cruz that was our first official Thieve of the Day? Uh, I think, or was it Michael Conforto who robbed a home run the other day? I don't know. We've had a couple of them already. Akil Badu. I think Akil Badu was our first one. He robbed a home run uh, for the Tigers the other day. Uh, thief of the day. Someone asked me the other day why thieve and not thief. A thieve, when it comes to bourbon, is thieving the bourbon out of the barrel. So that's part of the bourbon term. And if you're thieving runs or home runs or base hits, we're going to call you a thief. So you're Getting the thief of the day to make it a bourbon and baseball. Yeah, Unintended. pun intended. Um, <laughs> so go check us out on YouTube. More thieves of the day heading on over there. Also go check out us on Instagram, Barrels and Barrels Pod. Facebook at Barrels and Barrels Pod. While you were gone, Michael, we got 100 followers on Facebook. So we're over 700 now. We're also on Twitter at Barrels and Barrels. And TikTok really starting to explode at barrels and barrels pod again the letter in the middle is n so barrels and barrels pod find us on apple spotify amazon google iHeartRadio, as well as stitcher for now um <laughs> did i say amazon already <laughs> but go review us and rate us on amazon or wherever you're listening to us on those Spotify platforms, Apple podcast platforms. We're at 20 out of 25 star reviews on Apple, 13 out of 13 five star reviews on Spotify. If you leave a review text wise, we'll read it on here and give you That's your shot fun. and say thank you. So go head on over there. Two more things before we get into the bourbon or the whiskey for this week. We've got t-shirts for sale. Neither of us are wearing them. I'm wearing one from the company, though, my own brand, Whiskey Weather. But we've got Barrels and Barrels shirts, which are for sale on charliemikeneverweekend.com, a locally owned company out of Huntsville, Alabama, an Army family, uh, putting out great quality shirts. They continue to just wow us, uh, shipping straight to you. So go check that out at charliemikeneverweekend.com. Uh, the link is in our bio as well as in this YouTube description. And then lastly... Look what came in. We've got glassware. That looks so sweet. I'm, uh, so, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty jelly that I'm just in my HBA one here. Well, we'll have to get you your glass I'll, by I'm next gonna, week. I'm going to come see you. So we've got new 
glassware for sale. So go check us out on our Instagram page. You can find the uh, the link tree link in our bio, and you can find the order form for these Glencairns. We've also got whiskey wisdom glasses as well as two out glasses, which are super cool. And these hats are for sale, which you can go buy uh, $35 before shipping. So head on over to our Instagram page at Barrels and Barrels Pod. Click the link in that link tree and find the order form. I'm hopefully getting those out later this week. So without further ado, we are 15 minutes already into this episode. We've got whiskey to drink this week. And this week's whiskey of the week comes from our friends at Keeper's Heart. This is out of Minnesota. Actually, it's O'Shaughnessy Distilling Company, uh, Keeper's Heart. This is the Irish plus American whiskey, which is going to be a blend of Irish grain and single pot still whiskeys with American rye whiskey for a remarkable drinking experience. We've already done a review on the Irish plus bourbon, and I think we both enjoyed that one. Yeah, that was like what our like single digit episode that we did that guy. Uh, that was our second standalone whiskey tasting. So it was one of the bourbon slash whiskey reviews. I think it was the second one we ever did. So if you haven't listened to that one, go check it out in one of our previous podcasts, whether that's on YouTube or wherever you stream us on podcasts. So this is an Irish whiskey blended with American rye whiskey. So they take the qualities of Irish grain and single pot still whiskeys with American rye whiskey. Um, There's a lot with this. You've got to check out their website. This has won a lot of awards. Double gold, gold, gold from the John Barleycorn Awards here in 2023. The SIP Awards gold, okay. 50 best gold, TAG Awards gold, platinum from the Beverage Tasting Institute, uh, San Francisco World Spirits Competition gold, John Barleycorn Awards last year gold. So continuing to win awards with this whiskey. Uh, so I'm excited to dive into it. They sent me this bottle for Father's Day as a gift for Father's Day. And you can always check them out at their website uh, keepersheartwhiskey.com and you can actually personalize the bottle mine says the world's best dad you can get this for your father you can get this for your mother you can get this for your wife your husband or just the whiskey lover in your family a big shout out to them for sending this to me and i'm sharing it with michael as we're going to do a little bit of a review here so cool story about irish uh this irish american whiskey or just keepers heart in general We talked about it in the previous episode, Michael, but the logo has a big breakdown on it. So every element of their logo actually has a story or part of it. So the keepers uh, is to remembering to desire to cherish the important elements of your life, uh, Mm -hmm. your loved ones, time, traditions, heart. Obviously, everything you do comes from the heart, passion and honesty. So that's just two parts of it. There's a clock behind it. Uh, There's keys in a clock that represents the specialness of time spent together. Um, from family more to friends just to enjoy every moment fugit aura on both sides means the hour flies it's a family motto of the family who did design and create this company it's a reminder to slow down and enjoy the moment the keys well it's an invitation from the family to join theirs uh unlocking experiences with each other and then lastly the castle at the top is every castle has a keep the innermost sanctum where the family's most prized possessions are kept. So their keep is representing the specialness of the liquid that is created. So yeah, keepers that, uh, that, heart. That's yeah, that highlights a, a lot about what, you know, is enjoyable about bourbon is sharing it and keeping those around you, your friends and family and enjoying the bottle, slow down and take a drink. Yeah. So have you gotten a chance to nose this at all? 
I'm I have I've noticed it as you were explaining the uh, the logo there, and uh, I've the very first thing I get is pink, but then it explodes into like I want to say like pears. Mm-hmm. I get I apples get and pears. Yeah, um, the Pete scared me at first, but it quickly changes into the into the into the uh, apples and pears there. There's a little bit How of a peatiness to it, for sure. That's where the Irish is coming through, right? right? More so you get the peatiness in scotch, but you can get some of that in the Irish whiskey. And it's a single pot still as well, so that gives a little bit more funk. Um, How about some overly, raisins? Yeah, I, there's some fruit in there. And it's a, a variety of fruit, too. Right. It's not just like... Uh, I, I've got... there's a, I can get some of the grain, too. Um, there's a little bit of graininess, like a sweet graininess. And I think that's part of that pear and apple. I forgot what I was going to ask. I, I I dove into a, a little first <laughs> sip there. I was going to ask more about the nose, but I was analyzing my sip there. Um, it definitely is. Oh, I was. I don't remember what I was going to say. It uh, it's a bit timely. We've been talking a lot about American whiskey more lately mm-hmm. than uh, bourbon, and so this is a perfect time, perfectly timed uh, blend here that we're trying. Um, my first sip there, I got I got the the fruit that we're talking about. I didn't get a strong the didn't blow me away at all, which is a good mm-hmm. thing in my book. I don't want too much peat. Uh, peat would ruin it for me. Um, what did you get on that? Did you get to take a sip there? I did. And now, so I, what I've been doing lately is I take a sip and then I nose it again to see if like the nose right. gives me something different. And it's got a little more floralness to the nose. Like a sweet pear flower. That sounds weird, but like some floral pear to it. And then on the tongue, I got a weird, I say weird, it's not terribly weird, like very fruity, but also a hint of vanilla. Hmm, okay. I can like, see that. What's the proofage on this guy? It's a little, it's almost like a light, I'm, I'm going to guess it's 90. You're going to guess it's 90. It is 86, mm-hmm. so... yeah. Um, it's on the lower proof. I think this is a great starter whiskey for someone who's maybe not, uh, too into whiskey yet, or maybe wants to jump into trying something new because I don't think it's going to blow your doors off, right? 86 proof is relatively low. Um, but it doesn't even have that spiciness to it. Obviously it's a rye. So you would think that there'd be a little bit more of a rye to it, or at least it's a blend between a rye and Irish whiskey, but it, I don't, I don't have overpowering rye kicks to this what no think? i think i think the rye and the peat almost come together nicely mm-hmm. uh, i think like you said if you're if this is something you're wanting to dive into and you don't this is a great irish you get a little bit of the peat and then the american whiskey a little bit of the of the not, not spice and i want to say the floral if the floral is usually in the fruit is mm-hmm. what you get out of a good uh, irish whiskey um so they're really they're really blending together very well and uh it's the only thing that stands out is about what you find in the uh, Irish whiskey is that peat. The mm-hmm. floral and the fruit is fantastic on the second half of this. Yeah, I, I'm i even getting almost like a, a cinnamon apple pie on the back end. And maybe that's some of the rye coming through. There's a little bit of the oakiness, like the woodiness coming through, but it's not overpowering woody. There's no um, age statement on this. so I was I don't just know about to long. ask that. I don't know how long this is. I would call this like a, a corn yellow. Um, oh, for sure. 
uh, through the glass. So it's it's light, but it's got a lot of flavor for being as light as it is, right? I think that when we look at things like this, you're like, eh, is there a whole lot of flavor? I don't know how much oak there is, but there's definitely a lot of flavor within this um, whiskey. Uh, what do you think? How about some smoke? How about some smoke coming through at the end there? A little bit. I think that's some of that peatiness that you were talking about, right? The smoky um, peat on the back end. I've got pear, I've got apple, and some cinnamon. I mentioned some vanilla on it. The vanilla is not overpowering, but I can pull a little bit out of it. Uh, right. Overall, there's a lot to this. It's, it's a complex whiskey for 86 proof. We don't have an age statement on this. Um, here we go. We've got, oh, we do have an age statement on this. It's four years old. Uh, I did all oh, my wow. research online, and guess what? There's a thing right here <laughs> on the neck <laughs> of the bottle. Uh should have done this one first. So there's an Irish grain whiskey, which is four years old. Uh, there is Irish pot still whiskey, which is four years old. And then there's American rye, which is four years old. And this is all created from master distiller, Brian nation. Uh, I meant to talk to you about this earlier on, but Brian nation was a master distiller. We talked about this in the previous episode, but, uh, he used to work for Jameson and red breast and then keepers heart brought him over here and said, Hey, why don't you, why don't you distill for us? So, Definitely different product. Definitely, you know, I mm -hmm. think both of them we tried, the Irish and bourbon and now the Irish American is yeah. definitely something that I don't have on my shelf. Mm -hmm. um, I'd say the flavor profile for me is first, that first bite is peat, and then it's just an explosion of pear, apple, raisins for me, and then mm -hmm. finishes out. I don't, get a, I don't get oak on it really, but I get smoke at the end. I get a little bit of oak. There's like a woody component to it. Like I mentioned, it's not overly woody, but there's a little bit of the wood, and I think I'm getting some of that smoke as well. So Michael Burns, on our Barrels and Barrels of Bourbon and Baseball podcast rating scale, where would you rate this whiskey? Um, For the the Irish part of it that comes through, I'm going to bench this guy. Um, mm -hmm. I think the floral aspect of it is enjoyable. Like I said, there's nothing like it on my shelf. Mm -mm. Um, it's even, I've got, I've, I, I've got, actually it's not on my shelf, but I've got a Jameson in my closet for when <laughs> somebody comes over. It's not on my shelf. It's, I've learned out of room. Um, but I have, I have some non bourbons, some more, uh, American whiskeys and, uh, I have one scotch maybe. Yeah. I have one scotch over there. Um, and it tastes, this tastes nothing like it. I get a little bit of, uh, the peaty. You can enjoy it. You, I mean, mm -hmm. I can enjoy a light peat. Um, right. When we did that Lagavulin, oof, Close dog the doors off. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but just for the for the, I I don't enjoy the peatiness as much, so I'm not gonna go to this often. But it's a nice flavor change for me. What do you think? Where, where are you falling I'm, on with this guy? I'm right in the same line as you. It's it's a bench player for me, and that is not a knock by any means, and we'll get to our rating scale here in a second. But the reason being is it's something that mixes it up for me. I think that this is a great mix-up whiskey. Uh, if you're going to bourbon every day or you're drinking higher proof every day if you want something, not necessarily a dessert, but I think you could sit on the back patio with this in the summer, and it's light on the... The heat, you can drink this all day, honestly, at 86 proof. You could I wonder what this would be like on the rocks. Oh, I bet you it would be pretty good on the rocks, um, honestly. Uh, or even within a cocktail of some sort, get a little bit of yeah. that floralness out of it. I but just got I'm back from with the, the beach. Yeah. I just got back from the beach, and I bet this would be great 
I'm sitting by, on, the, you know, on the rocks by the pool or by the sand. In a Yeti? Um, <laughs> in a Yeti, yeah. With some rocks. Yeah. Uh, so on our Barrels and Barrels of Bourbon and Baseball podcast rating scale, which rolls from the top of the top, that's Hall of Famer. That's the best of the best. We have yet to rate a whiskey a Hall of Famer. That's because it is so rare. You only get 1% of the players to be Hall of Famers in the major leagues. And we've only done, what, this is about rating number 50 probably, and nobody has made it to the Hall of Fame yet. So we're still looking for that one percenter. All-Star is the next best. You've got All-Stars on every team. You've got All-Stars on every bar. But... Not every bottle you have is an all-star. It's only those select few, and those are the ones you want. The backups to your backups. This—that's the one that you that you're sh- that you're sharing with your bourbon aficionados. If someone comes yes. over and says, "I kind of like bourbon," you're not pulling an all-star out. You're pulling out. You might pull out a uh, everyday player, which is next on our list. One mm-hmm. that you go to that you know you go to often. Um, that is good. That you can kill a bottle of it. Um, you necessarily mm-hmm. don't have uh, backups on backup of it, like the All Star, um, but the everyday player is still a solid, a solid pick. And then Brandon, our bench player, like uh, you, like we rated this one. Want to get into the bench player? A, a bench player is someone that you can rely on every once in a while. He's not in your everyday lineup. You're not going to play him every day, and you're not going to have him every day as a poor, right? But a bench player comes in in the clutch. Think of like David Bodie walk-off grand slam or a pinch hit walk-off single or that spot starter that comes in. You can even think about it as a, a reliever, right? That's not an everyday player, but it's someone who's important to your team that comes in in big moments, and that's what a bench player is, and that's what we're calling this. This is a role player on your team. This is something that you maybe want on your shelf to mix things up. And then finally, the designate for assignment. And since, Michael, you are the captain of the designate for assignment, what's a DFA? So DFA, we take that bottle into our office privately, and we tell it that we don't want it on our shelf anymore that it's going to have to find something else. This is something that if that non, you know, bur- bourbon aficionado comes over and wants to try something, you pull that bad boy out. <laughs> this is maybe a drain pour or you bake with this, or this is the mixer for your significant other who does not like whiskey, but will drink it <laughs> with some Coke. But that has been our bourbon or whiskey portion of this podcast. A big shout out and a big thank you to O'Shaughnessy Distilling Company, Keeper's Heart, this is the Irish plus American. Go Beautiful grab some. bottle. You want to know the best part of this? 30 bucks. Really? $30. So it's not breaking the bank. Uh, it is one that you can afford to have. And I say go grab a bottle. Uh, even though we rate it as a bench, that doesn't mean it's going to be. 30 bucks. Our... Yeah, 30 bucks. Uh, you can go spend 30 bucks. Go support these people because they're great people over there. Uh, putting out some good stuff. And as you heard, it's won a ton of awards. Look at, uh, it's hard to see on the back, but all of those are all of the awards um, that they've won. So go check them out, keepersheartwhiskey.com. Again, that'd thank be you. Fire at 104 proof. Oh, well, and they just released a cask strength at 110, I believe. So yeah, I bet that's got fire. that available. Yeah, I, I bet it's really good. And we'll have to have to find that and uh, buy that and try it for a later podcast. But Michael, we use trivia, right? That's our that's our buffer between the whiskey and the baseball. So this week it was Hall of Fame week. We just talked about Hall of Fame whiskey, Hall of Fame players. Scott Rowland and Fred McGriff just went into the Hall of Fame this past weekend. Scott Rowland, probably the bigger of the two names there. So which pitcher? Did Scott Rowland have the most hits off in his career? He had 2,077 career hits, 
but which pitcher did he get the most off of? He was around from, what, the early 2000s? Mm-hmm. Was he in the late 90s a little bit? It's going to be a Cubs pitcher. Um, Scott Rowland with the Cardinals a good bit of time. Let's just say he had the most hits off Kerry Wood. Kerry Wood, is that your final answer? That's my final answer. It was a Cubs pitcher, but it was also a Braves pitcher. It was Greg Maddox. Really? He had 22 hits off of. He hit over 300 against Greg Maddox. But, yeah, out of his 2,077 hits, 22 of them came off of Greg Maddox. So that is a solid 1% of his career hits came off of Mad Dog. That's not what I would have thought of with Greg Greg Maddox being the soft contact guy. He wasn't necessarily a strikeout stud. He was a soft contact magician, you know. Totally. Um, so that's I get that. So moving into our our baseball portion, Brandon, I want to I want to you went with the trivia. I've got a little uh, news story here for you. I want to hear see if you heard about it. Okay. There was a there was a truck in New York loaded with thousands of copies of Roguette's The Source, and it had an accident and spilled its whole load of The Sources all over New York. The Sources. Have you heard about the story? Yeah. yeah. Have you heard about the story? Witnesses were stunned. Startled, aghast, stupefied, <laughs> confused, shocked, rattled, paralyzed, dazzled, bewildered, surprised. Um, I know. I'll stop. I'll stop there. Amazed. <laughs> Amazed. Flabbergasted. Dumbfounded. And uh, speaking of being flabbergasted, I think we just got some some alert to our phone of uh, the first major trade. I'd call it major trade in baseball. What do you think? Yeah, there have been some movement here the last couple of days, but I think this would it's the first time we're having big league players, I think, go back and forth in a trade. And you got it on your phone first, so why don't you tell the fine people that already know the trade when they're listening to the podcast, but uh... <laughs> um so as we're sitting as we're sitting here uh going through that uh keeper's heart, got the notification that the trade was official. The Dodgers have acquired Ahmed Rosario from the Guardians. Mm-hmm. Almost said the other team team name, mm-hmm. Amid Rosario from the from the Guardians for Noah Syndergaard. I think that's the shocker for me is that Syndergaard's going back when the Dodgers need pitching, but he hasn't been mm-hmm. he hasn't been starting for them, right? No, he's been hurt. I believe he's been on the IL uh, more recently. Now Rosario is uh, he's shortstop, right? He had a great Short year stop. last year, I believe, with the Guardians. I'm surprised they're giving him up. I, I don't think he's had as great of a year this year as he did back in 2022 where he really had a breakout year. Now he's got three home runs and batting 265 this year. Last year with the uh, Guardians, he hit well, 11 home runs, but he hit 283. So it was a much better year last year. It gives them a right-handed bat. Uh, they just got Kike from the Red Sox yesterday. That was another deal. So the Dodgers already making some smaller moves. I would say this is the bigger of the two, but um, yeah, Noah over there. I wonder what that does to the Cleveland rotation. Does that make, I'm not comparing them, but is Bieber expendable now? Bieber, I think he's on the IL. And I think he's out with forearm strain. Oh, that's for, right. Yeah. So for the extended period. Yeah. But we, but I, I didn't, I, is this a sign that the Guardians are selling? I mean, they were going to trade Bieber because they had extra pitching. They're in, are they in first place? No, they're behind the Twins by quite a bit, actually. They've had a rough week and a half or so. So I don't, are they, 
I, I, it would be tough to sell, but I mean, the Guardians always seem to, they're 51 and 51, two games back. If they said they were going to trade Bieber and still be buyers, why would they buy another pitcher right here? If, if this is a buyer's move, even as a selling move, it, it's a buyer's move. As a seller, it doesn't make sense to trade Rosario for center guard as a seller. That's not a future piece at all. Right. So I don't, I can't tell you I know enough about the Guardians prospects and their team to know who's going to fill that role of Rosario as shortstop. They got Rosario in the Lindor trade, didn't they? He was part of that deal. Yeah. Was that Rosario? Uh, no, that wasn't Rosario that was tearing up on the field, was it? At no, that was Wilmer Flores back before right. that when he was supposedly traded to the Brewers. Um, yes, yeah, so I, I don't know a ton about the Guardians. Haven't been obviously able to do too much in-depth look at the puzzle, this. It's a head-scratcher. Yeah. Um, he's a good option against lefties, it says. He's got an OPS of 816 of lefties in his career and an 822 clip this season. Um, he's probably a, he's going to do great things for... The Dodgers, because you know why? The Dodgers. Uh, but yes, yeah, exactly. They know how to pull it out. They're gonna, they're gonna uh, find other guys that they think they can just tweak something, and then they're going to tweak something, and they're gonna fly up yep. the a uh, NL West standings. Well, look at Max Muncie. Look at Chris Taylor. Those two were kind of down and out. Went to the Red Sox and had a career year and have had a pretty good career even justin turner when he went to the dodgers was just yes. a player and then blew up uh and you could even say kike when he was with the dodgers those were the best years of his career and he's heading back there after a couple of down years in boston um i, I think, you think that, he's happy about that i think so i think he i think so too I after that dance there. he did in the dugout yeah so Kike and Ahmed Rosario, those are not huge trades, but those are peripheral trades that I think make the Dodgers better in the long run. Uh, they're going to need some pitching here, and I think they may get that within the next couple of days. And we're going to break down more on the trade deadline here in just a few minutes. We'll do a deeper dive on that. I want to talk about a few players that had an amazing weeks or so far an amazing month so far. Uh, what Austin Riley did last week while we were in between podcasts, Five straight games of the home run. He gets NL Player of the Week. He had six bombs over the week. He had a slugging percentage of 1240, which was second best in baseball last week, I believe. Only behind Wilmer Flores. He had 16 RBIs last week. 16. 16. That's that was that's a post All Star break. He has seventeen. Yeah. So <laughs> so he had sixteen of his seventeen RBIs just last week. Yes, and six home strong. runs. He's I believe up to twenty two bombs um, on a mm -hmm. Braves team that has not played their best baseball of the season in the last two weeks. Uh, I believe they're right around five hundred or even under five hundred since the start of the All Star uh, second half from the All Star break. Um, yep. But Austin Riley, if it wasn't for him. They'd probably be even worse because he won them some games with those home runs. Um, next on my list is I want to talk about a trio of players who have had an crazy, incredible month of July. Either I mean, we can kind of go with four players here. But Manny Machado is doing Manny Machado things. 11 bombs so oh, far in July. Finally, Manny Machado's being Manny Machado. Yeah. Um, but the guy I really want to highlight is Cody Bellinger. He's, oh, he's been destroying the baseball for the Cubs. In the month of July, coming into tonight, seven home runs, 18 runs, 23 ribbies. He's got an OBP of 447, a slugging of 753. He's batting on the month 
429. That OPS is 1,200 on the month. He's playing great defense in center field, great defense at first base. This is the guy I want the Cubs to keep. I don't want him to be traded. And I think the next right. four days we're going to find out whether or not he's a Cub for the rest of the year or if he's playing in a different uh, uniform by next week, Tuesday. Um, yeah, Cody Bellinger, Kyle Tucker, and Freddie Freeman, as well as Manny Machado, those four are players that just really stood out to me this weekend. Freddie Freeman had an incredible week last week. He could have very well won player of the week in the NL. Um he had a 583 batting average last week, 667 OBP, a slugging percentage of 1.167 with three home runs last week. But he's, if it wasn't for Acuna, I think Freddie would be the MVP this year. Our dude, dude is having a stellar year. Pre All Star break, he was hitting. He's hitting 320. Post All Star break in 11 games, he's hitting 395. I don't know if you just mentioned that already. Mm-mm. Um. Uh, if it wasn't for, imagine if they if the Braves could have kept him and traded for Matt Olson to ha- and and said see you later to Ozuna from the Braves as their <laughs> DH, right? And had Matt Olson and Freeman flip flop from first base to DH, yeah, because they could have done it. Matt Olson, they didn't. They could have tra- they traded for him. They didn't mm-hmm. sign him besides the extension, right? But they they could have done that. Yes. That would have been. The Rays would have been unstoppable at that point. Think of all the talent that they've brought up, even Dansby Swanson, right? Like that are all stars on other teams, and they're still cranking out six, seven, eight all stars on their team right now. Kyle Tucker, we mentioned it a little bit in our Power Rankings episode, which is exclusive to YouTube. So if you haven't checked that out yet, go check that out on our YouTube channel at Barrels and Barrels Pod. But Kyle Tucker, is he the most underrated player in the majors? Of all of yeah. all the players, is he the most underrated? I think he is. He's definitely he's overshadowed for absolutely. He's hit, I mean the dude is hitting three hundred five, eighteen home runs, and has been doing it for a few years now. Yeah, and uh, doesn't get talked about. I think with Jordan Alvarez on the team, Jose Altuve, Bregman, Bregman. and Correa, um, the guy is is stellar. Uh, let's see, last year he hit, last year was his was his. Uh, quote down year he still hit 30 home runs and 107 rbis that's ridiculous he's having a great year this year uh 18 bombs 305 as of right now and he's got seven home runs in the month of july he's batting 392 in the month of july he is a great defender he's a great offensive player he shows up day in and day out comes up with the big hits he had a three homer game the other night versus oakland um Oh, man, that's a guy that you want on your team. He's got five stolen bases this month too, and he like Set, running. setting career high in it. He's at nineteen already. Yeah. It's career high for a season's twenty five, which was he's last on pace. Year. He, yeah, yeah. And he drives so and runs. He's, he's doing things with the new with the new rules as well. Yeah, he's got sixty nine RBIs so far this year, which is up there. I don't think that's anywhere close to the league lead, but uh, that's high for what we're a hundred games through the season. So. <laughs> Wow. Kyle Tucker, man, he leads in OPS in the month of July of all baseball. And no one's talking about him. So, Kyle Tucker. Here, Astros fans, here's this for you. This is for you. Kyle Tucker, most well, underrated calm down, player. Man. Hey, hey, calm down. <laughs> Don't give the Astros fans too much attention. They'll, uh... <laughs> but Kyle Tucker definitely is the most underrated player in the game. I, I can't even think of anyone who's even close to as underrated. Like right. Off- As overall, we're not just talking the month of July. We're talking right. just overall. The guy doesn't get talked about for how good he is. 
100% agree, man. Uh, and then another name, uh, I mentioned Manny Machado. He's just having a great month, and he's been part of the turnaround for the Padres, but Blake Snell, I think he leads the entire league in ERA at this point right now. Oh, for the whole season or just yeah, his for the whole season? No, the May. whole season. I think he's the league leader in ERA uh, as of today. Now, the Padres are only five and a half. Last I looked, five and a half games back. Is that? And, I mean, with the talent they have, Blake Snell, Machado yeah. getting hot, you can't sell, right? Yeah, Blake Snell's two point six one ERA is best in baseball right now. Second best is Nathan Avaldi at two point six nine, Garrett Cole at two point seven eight, Shane McClanahan at two point eight nine, and then Framber at two point nine four. So, yeah, and then Justin Steele just to throw you in there as a Cub fan two point nine five. So, Uh-oh. yeah, I, I don't see the Padres as sellers. I think that if anything, they're buyers because you've got the talent. Oh, get out of here, Cody Bellinger. Oh, no blew my load too early. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Brought to you by Hims. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to last longer or hit the ball farther, uh, use Hims. That's not a free ad. No free ads. We need. We're gonna have to reach out for royalties. Uh, but yes. So the 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 Padres right now, uh, sitting at forty nine and fifty four as we record this podcast. They are six and a half back of the wild card, ten games back of the Dodgers. I don't see them catching the Dodgers, but I think they could catch the, the Diamondbacks. I think they could catch the Giants. They've got the better roster than I think both of those teams. All in all, where's their hole? Where's their hole? They're, here's here's their rotation: you Darvish, Joe Musgrove. Blake Snell, uh, Michael Walker, who was doing great things until he went on the IL. And then going around the horn is, I guess this is their whole Jay Cronenworth at first base with Kim at at second, Bogarts at short, Machado at third, outfield of Soto, Grisham, Tatis. Uh, I guess they're bullpen. I guess they could use a bat. They could use a bat because Matt Carpenter's and Alfonso Rivas. Yeah, Alfonso Rivas. Rivas. Yeah is their dh that would be a great place for a paul goldschmidt but we'll get to that here in a second uh before we dive into our trade thoughts trade deadline talk oh my god yeah let's go baby let's uh before we get there there are some teams in florida struggling right now the tampa bay rays and the Florida Marlins. The Marlins are two and eight in their last ten. They got a win today, but they are, I believe, two and nine or something along those lines since the All Star break uh, started. The Tampa Bay Rays. Um, they've had a rough go of it. They're also two and eight in their last ten, having lost one uh, in a row, sixty-two and forty-three still. So they're not in bad shape. They're just not playing great baseball. Of those two teams, I'd say the Rays are the buyers. Do you think Miami Marlins are buying as well? They're fifty-five now the and forty-eight. Mi- yeah, I don't think they they uh I don't think they're selling at this point. I don't think they need to. No. They've got pitching. They could use another Luis Urias, but power side instead of average side. Mm-hmm. They did make a move today. I don't know if you saw that they did a change of scenery with relief pitchers uh, with no. the Twins. Oh, yes. Uh Jorge um Lopez, right? Lopez for uh, Dylan, Dylan Floro. Floro. Yes. So both are kind of change of pace. Nothing it's nothing major. Both guys are kind of struggling. Yeah, and Lopez um, was the big deadline deal from the Orioles for the Twins last year. But you see who is uh, throwing innings again today for the Marlins for the Marlins organization. Uh, well, my, bo- it, my, my boy, my Yuri. boy Yuri Perez is starting in Double A tonight for the but, Pensacola Blue Wahoos. 
But didn't they send him down to stop the innings? I, this is well, he hasn't pitched since they sent him down, which right. was pre All Star yeah. break. So that was just they sent him down for a roster spot and then basically shut him down. Wouldn't they didn't send him, him down; they shut him down. Yeah, but wouldn't you bring him back up to the big leagues because it's been more than ten days? Right. So this is well, he does. Does the dude really need a ramp up? I mean, come no. on. Let that ramp up be five innings in the major leagues. Yeah, don't be doing or, it for the or double. Or put a. him in the or put him in the bullpen. Right, do you a wanna... do do a bullpen quote day and do give him a starter. You know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's perplexing. But that's a great trade trade quote trade piece that the Marlins are getting, but they need bats. Yeah, they, they need bats. They're not scoring runs. They're they're a minus nineteen run differential. They've only scored four hundred and twenty two runs, which is the worst in their division. That is. There's only one team in the NL Central who scored less, and that's the Pirates by one run. They have the second least amount of runs scored in the National League, so they need runs. Uh, so they're going to need like a CJ Crone. They're going to need a, a Paul Goldschmidt would be a good spot for them uh, as well. Um, you know who's just designated for assignment who wouldn't be a bad pickup? Nelson Cruz, a veteran leader, and he's play, he hasn't he's never played for the Marlins, right? And he just needs to go get a ball I don't cap think from so. them. Yeah, he's got he's That's right. for half the other league. <laughs> uh, so Marlins, they they do need some some offensive talent. The the Rays, I think they're going to be on the starting pitching market because of some injuries there. I think Eflin just hit the uh, IL. Speaking of the AL East, a new team in first place with those Rays struggling since we recorded last week. The Baltimore Orioles are in sole oh. possession coming into tonight. One and a half games up. This team is fun, and I think this team could be World Series contenders with the right moves. They've got Jorge, their their biggest hole is probably Jorge Mateo at shortstop. Mm-hmm. And they've got a guy who went four for four last night that can play shortstop, Jory Ortiz. Um, they have more, I mean, Colton Kyleser just came up. Mm-hmm. They also have a guy in double A who's 19 who is tearing it up. Um, they, they've got it. They, they- uh, the guy I was just talking about, Joey Ortiz, Let's see. I I have a note for here about him. Do I? Where'd my note go? Yeah, Joey Ortiz went four for four last night, raising his triple A average, his triple A average to three forty eight with an OPS of nine eighty four. And he played shortstop. Yes. Yeah. So, Jorge uh, Mateo is struggling. They, I guess he's more of a clubhouse guy. So the worry is they can't get rid of him because of that. They don't you want to mess Jorge Mote- up too Mateo? much. Who I say? Jorge Ortiz. <laughs> yeah, I mix the two players yeah, I'm yeah. talking about here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mateo. Um, yeah, that would be rough, but at a certain point, speaking of clubhouse guys, Jonathan India is supposedly on the trade block, and that came out on I Monday. Know you're, yeah, I know you're not a big big proprietor of that idea right well they i supposedly they've walked that back today but here's my thought if you're the reds you do not trade jonathan india right now and here's the reason being he is the captain of this team right this team is a year or two ahead of where most people expect you look around anyone in cincinnati and no one saw this coming i can guarantee you um, there will be some people who probably said oh yeah i knew this was gonna happen no one saw this coming you knew ellie was gonna be great but you didn't think he had the pitching and that is their one weakness but you don't trade the captain of your team this team's clubhouse probably is the best and tightest clubhouse in all of baseball i Remember see it. what happened to the brewers when they traded josh Hader in a comp- competition year mm-hmm. they they stumbled yeah they, last they, year you know, trading a, a, a good piece away that doesn't really 
didn't make sense. They because they didn't do it for competition reasons. They did it because they saw value in trading him away at that time. Yeah, I just don't think you can trade him because you're going to break the clubhouse. No way. I don't know what you're getting back for him unless you've got to get an arm. But I don't think you're getting an ace, and you need an ace or a top three pitcher in your rotation. And I don't think you're getting that for India unless it's just a rental and you don't want to give him away. He's got three more years of control after this year. He's still on his rookie there, deal. Right. There's there's really, uh, and we're, I guess this is kind of a, a transition into a little bit of trade talk. Not We don't have to get there quite yet. But there's really not that much high talent on the market this year in years past. Like there's not a Manny Machado besides, besides Otani. Well, There's not I, a Manny Machado for guys to go that, to. I literally just got a notification. It says the Los Angeles Angels will not trade Shohei Otani ahead of Tuesday's tread deadline. Instead, focus on adding players. Uh, as that was going to be one of our topics here. Thanks a lot, ESPN Fantasy Baseball. Uh, but <laughs> well, I guess I mean, we'll just jump into it. that. Yeah. yeah, you still have it. Look, what, look at the Los Angeles depth chart. Uh, first base, Craig Cabbage. They just called the guy up. He just made his rookie debut. The dude has giant forearms and arms. <laughs> you got to go look He's at his first career home run. <laughs> was it an absolute bomb? It was a... Go check it on YouTube, yeah, right? We, we have a short? We YouTube, Do we have a short for it? 440 plus feet. I mean, the dude... I remember when he came to the Trash Pandas and people were like, look at this guy. Oh, my gosh. That's right. You saw him but, in person. Yeah. Yeah. So, second base is Luis from Renfango. Third is newly acquired Mike Moustakas or Eduardo, Eduardo, Eduardo Escobar. Escobar. So Zach Nato is at shortstop. He's he could be something. Yep. Taylor Ward and left. Mike Trout on the IL with Mo, so Mickey Moniak taking his place. And Hunter Renfro, you got it. You're not buying just a. You're not one piece away. No, you need some bats. You need. Um, and well, speaking of Mickey Moniak, he got traded for Trey Turner. You see what Moniak's doing this year. 11 home runs, 333, 978 OPS. He uh, is he got traded for um oh, uh, Brandon uh, Marsh. Yes, but they the Phillies traded him to Yes, you're right. My bad. But wasn't can, can he play shortstop too? Uh he was drafted as enough as a he center was. fielder. Someone yeah. was comparing Trey Turner and Mickey Moniak. Um, Cuz that's who they sent over. That was a number one overall pick for the Phillies in 2000 yeah 17 2016 like 2016 first overall pick out of california so he's having a great start to this season his career regular season not great after last year but um with the uh, the phillies he had a rough year with the phillies last year 2021 and 2022 but uh yeah he's that's out of high school he was looking he was a small bodied guy that was they hoped i guess would grow into his frame and got 195 they, I, I now say, yeah, I wouldn't say he was rushed because he took they took his time with the Phillies. I don't think he change bolted up their organization. Yeah, this change of scenery is looking fantastic for him. It's, but maybe it's just he's rubbing off. I mean, what kind of you know not idols? What's uh, mentors? Yes, of Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. The, yeah. I mean, that that right there can just could help. Yeah, uh, and then at catcher you've got Tice or Thias. Is it Tice? T H A I S S. Yeah, Matt Tice. Matt Tice. Um, but so. I mean, they're 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 keeping Ot- keeping Otani to that roster. I just don't know how long it's going to last. I I think the trade deadline is going to hit, and they're going to lose three of their ten, last ten games. Yeah, and be like, oh crap, we <laughs> we uh 
we should have uh, made the most of it. This is not a playoff roster. They need a starter, a starter in the rotation. They need more offense, of course. Um, I, I don't know what the matches are. Like you're, you've already traded for Escobar and Mustakis, and didn't they just get Regnifo? They no, they had Regnifo to start they the did? year. Yeah, he was their starting shortstop, I think, for the year before NATO come up. Okay, and then the other. I mean, that's plays, that team yeah. right there. That's the team. I mean, it, Trout will be coming t- back, Taylor... so that'll be in um, in addition without trading. But yeah, I I don't know. Joe Adele did come up. Poor Joe Adele. Perfect situation. Mike Trout. Joe Adele was like leading the all of minor leagues in home runs. Mm-hmm. I, Mike Trout gets hurt, so so Adele's a time to shine. Finally, he's hot. He, and poor guy, I think he hurt his quad or his hamstring, and mm-hmm. he's on the on IL as well. Poor guy. Yep, he's on the IL for ten days. Gio Urshela is on the sixty day IL. Anthony Rendon ten day IL. Brandon Drury on the IL. So if Drury comes back, I don't know what the injury is for Drury, but uh, that's a bat that I think you could see. You get two or three of those guys back. It's like getting a player at the deadline. It looks like a different team if they're right. healthy. If oh, you think they're, about they're, it. give give this team three weeks, which might be. I don't think it's too late, but. Three weeks and they look completely different. Jury back, Trout back, Adele back, right? Ben Joyce back. It's too bad. Uh, Logan a hop would would have been a great yeah. piece at yeah. catcher for him. Yeah, uh, I I saw a great uh, trade that of course for the Yankees, Jason Dominguez, Oswaldo Perez. So that's two top prospects right there, as well as two other pieces. So Jason for Dominguez Otani. is their number one. Yeah, Frotani. Well, and what does that look like anymore. for you? <laughs> yeah, what does that look like for you next? Just next year, Jason Dominguez is ready. Mm-hmm. Perez is ready. All of a sudden, now you've got Mike Trout, you've got Moniak in the outfield, and then you've got those two guys, and then Dominguez is your third outfielder. Yeah. Suddenly, that outfield look could look really good twenty twenty four. Yeah, I just don't think that they're going to trade Otani, and I, we had made an agenda here and uh, wrote, where would these players be going? And we'll get to that here in a second. Um, but I was saying, I don't think Otani's going to be traded, but if he was to be traded, it was going to be to the Giants. But we just found out now he's not going to be traded. So Otani, I mean, you think he's got a shot at 62 home runs? Uh, judge, That's Judge's record last year, right? 62? Right. The AL record, yeah. And what is the guy at now? 30... He's at 36. Let's look at his splits to see what Judge was at last year, too. He's about on pace with where Judge was at this point. Now, have you heard the conspiracy that around when Judge was in the 50s, they started throwing juice balls out there for him? Yeah, you you were part of that conspiracy last year. You were mentioning it. <laughs> I think they would do it well, for that, Otani. That, <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, they would absolutely would. Um, yeah. I, I think they would love for him to get cl- close to it if not get right there and beat it already. Right. right. So he's at 36 home runs. Um, he hasn't hit one in a Can couple I... of games, sound the alarm, but he's got an OPS of 1066, slugging 668, on-base percentage basically 400, 12 stolen bases, 77 runs and 77 RBIs. I mean... Imagine they... judging Otani on the same team. <sighs> yeah, and well, the Yankees... And the Yankees would still suck. 
<laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh Jesus. But they just get Rodon back. They're 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 on the cusps. Mm-hmm. Uh that there's they're a winning team for for struggling. They're still um in third place right now. No, they're just kidding. They're they're last. But they would be in um uh, they'd be in first place in the AL Central still. Uh, eight games back in first points. place. They have less wins than the Twins, but they have two less losses. So by percentage points, they'd be leading the AL Central, but it's basically a dead heat if that was the case. I think that's the first time all year that the AL Central's been close to the last place team like that. Usually it's it's been... Yeah, Twins play, uh, played better baseball as late, and the Twins have a plus 41 ref, run differential, but the Yankees, I, th- I think, are sneaky buyers. They're still on the fence right now. But I think if they add the right pieces here and they get Judge back, how important is Judge to this team? With him in the lineup, they are 30 and 19. Without him, they are 23 and 29. So they oh. are they are 11 games above 500 with him in the lineup. That not just it is a depth thing, but I think it's more so a comfort and a leadership thing. You've got the yep. one of the best players in baseball when he's gone, you just don't feel like the same team and you don't have the depth. And that's something we mentioned earlier in the off season as well. When I mentioned, I don't think they have enough offense. If judge is not there, they were going to have to make other moves. Harrison Bader. Sure. Okay. Anthony Rizzo hasn't had a great season after the first month and a half or so. Uh, Donaldson, I think he's got 10 hit or 10 home runs and 15 total hits. Stanton hitting under 200. On the year. Yeah. On the year. Donaldson's hurt again. Um, but when he was Ope's healthy, not having the season that they thought he would make an opening day roster like that. Torres has been okay. I think DJ LeMay, who's had a pretty good year, but I mean, when you're only looking at two or three guys, yeah. Uh, so if, if Judge were to come into this, or they could add a Cody Bellinger or an Otani to just light up, if because if, Judge is on the cusp of coming back, he mm-hmm. was just taking BP. I think they're going to come uh, up last this week. And to just electrify this lineup, yeah, I think I think they could, I think they could get rolling. We you know he judge go they go. Uh, I agree, and I think our gambling friend later on in this episode might agree with you there as well. Another couple of names: Jordan and Jose Altuve coming off the IL today. Another name Huge. to look at. I think the Astros are about to go on a run, man. They are only a game back of first place in the AL West as of this recording. In Jordan, in the lineup, they are 33 and 24, and without him, they are 25 and 20. And they're still a good team without him, but with him, they're even better. They're better depth. They just stack that lineup. Watch out, this Astros team. They're off of that, you know, World Series hangover that you get in the first half of the season after winning a World Series. They're one game back. They're seven and three in their last ten, and they're playing Texas, so a win would tie them. Um, who knows? They could be tied as this recording comes out, or they could be two games back by the time this recording is edited and uh, and pushed out. But yeah, the the Astros have some pieces coming back. Before, the Rangers got to make a move. Yeah, the Rangers are going to need a starter. I think they're going to need to find a starter and some bullpen depth. Yeah, looking at their depth chart, they could use another Travis Jankowski as their starting left fielder. Yeah, um, that's not it. No. They could definitely use some outfield help. Uh, and it, it'll be interesting to see what teams will be trading with them and, and vice versa. I, I do want to point this out. We're watching the Cubs in the White Sox game. The White Sox were up 7-2 to two in the top of the fifth, and the Cubs have scored four, and they have the bases loaded, and Joe Kelly has 
had a wild pitch strike drop third strike three score a Cubs run and now the bases are loaded after he just hit Jan Gomes in the elbow so you may have some excited Cubs fans here here shortly uh or heartbroken Cubs fans it's only the fifth the Cubs yeah the Cubs are the number one in batting average and run scored since the all-star break yeah and uh, I think they're going to be bye, bye. buyers. And you, were you just talking about the Yankees? They're fifty-four and forty-eight. I want to talk about the wild cards right now. The National League wild card is ridiculously fun to look at. Have you looked at those at all, the standings at all? I've looked at the the National League wild card, and there's like the leaders, and then like two teams that are within like half a game. There are, five and then there's the Cubs at five within a half a game. Philadelphia Phillies, San Francisco Giants, and Cincinnati Reds are all tied with the same percentage in the top three spots. Then Arizona and Miami are a half game out, and then the Cubs are third out at five games back. Um, But they're playing better baseball than Arizona and Miami and the Giants right now. So you could say that the Cubs could be sellers. you got the Padres and the Mets just lingering on the outside as well, six and a half and seven and a half games back, and then you go fall down to the St. Louis Cardinals, nine and a half back, who have also played better baseball as of late, but I still think that they're going to be sellers, nine games under five hundred here going into the deadline. Um, so the NL wild card is crazy, but the AL yes. wild card is still pretty crazy as well. When you look at the teams within the running of it, I think there's more teams viable for a wild card in the AL than the NL. You've got Tampa Bay, Houston, and Toronto right now in the top three spots. But Boston's only a game and a half back. The Yankees are two and a half back. The Angels are four back. The Mariners are four and a half back. And then Cleveland's five and a half back at 500. So you've got five teams out of it that could theoretically be sellers. We just saw the Guardians buy. uh, Not sellers, buyers. We just saw the Guardians buy today um, in a way, right, with Syndergaard. That was definitely a buy move. Somehow, somehow it was a buy yes. move. The Mariners. It are wasn't a selling buying. move. It surely wasn't a selling move. Mariners are buying. The, the Angels. We just talked about. They're going to be buying. Um, the Yankees. Mm. I just read an article saying that they're on the fence. I think they're buying. They have to. You're two and a half out of the wild card. And we have a tie game, baby. Let's go. That's what my fist pump was for. I don't know if I, to leave, I'm just, I, I did, and I didn't know if it, what the what the result was. Uh, I didn't know if it was a walk or a hit. So that was the excitement I still had, at least. <laughs> so if you're the Yankees, but, you got to be buying, right? You're two and a half out of the wild card right now? That's a playoff spot. I mean, last year, the Braves were much worse. 2000, 2021, yeah, they were the Braves 15, were under 500. Yeah, under 500. And, won the and they went on the World the World Series. This Yankees team is two and a half games within a playoff spot. We saw last year with the Phillies, you just got to get in and get mm-hmm. hot. Get in and get and hot. And the have Yankees experience. have the, the guys and the experience to do that. Yep. I think I think there's 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 definitely a line within this wild card of where the buyers and sellers are on each side. Yeah, I think right. it's For the, AL, the Guardians same. and the Mets. Those are the line and underneath those in both leagues is where your sellers. So your sellers are the Cardinals, the pirates, the nationals and the Rockies. And then in the AL you're going with Detroit, Chicago, White Sox, Kansas city and Oakland. Those are your sellers at this point. And I do think maybe within the next two or three days, you may see a couple other teams fall into that mode. Um, Say the Mets and the Padres have rough weekends maybe you're selling rather than buying uh, or vice versa. But uh, 
The Mets have signaled that they're going to sell Robertson, Fam, and one other. They've already signaled that. Speaking of Fam, did you see the shirt that he was wearing? What a clown. <laughs> uh, I'll what let you clown. go check out our Instagram page with that one because we just shared it earlier today in our story. But uh, I think there are some teams that need to make some big moves. And speaking of big moves, there are some big names that are out on the market. We talked about Otani. Not going to be traded anymore, so we're going to have to cross him off our list. But uh, let's start with two Chicago Cubs. If the Cubs are sellers, where do you see Marcus Stroman going? Um, I've seen Marcus Stroman would be a good fit for the Baltimore Orioles. I, I actually think they would line up great. The Cubs are close to competing. The Orioles got lots of AAA depth of prospects. I mean, almost double digits worth. Yeah. And Brennan's fist pumping, so uh, Nico Horner's getting me some fantasy points. I don't know how, but the Baltimore Orioles and Cubs line up. They need starting pitching. The Cubs have ma- are, are ready for Major League ready guys. Mm-hmm. Um, it wouldn't cost the Orioles too much because Stroman's a rental. Yeah. Um, what do you think about Stroman? I have the Orioles written down as well. They need starting pitching. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we did not plan any of this. They need starting pitching. They line up very well in the fact that they've got major league ready talent in the minors, um, and they've got a log jam in the minors for the major league roster. You could get a player like Anthony Santander uh, or even a, a couple of those higher. Like you said, it's a it's a rental, so you're not going to get a huge they, package for him, but you can get something for him because he's a frontline rotation starter for the Orioles. The Orioles are so loaded. They could trade Joey Ortiz, who I was just talking about, who had that amazing average in OPS right now in AAA. Mm-hmm. And still, I still think they could call up Jackson Holiday right now, and and he would be successful at the major league level. Yeah, is uh, Mullen still on the IL or is he back? I think he's back, right, Cedric? Oh, I'm not sure about Cedric, old, old Cedric. Um, well, I will look that up. But uh, the next name on the list, if the Cubs are sellers. One of the hottest names is Cody Bellinger. If they the sell, Yankees. yep. Well, we're both two for two. I said the New York Yankees as well. They need left-handed bat. They need depth. They need an outfielder, or they need him at first base because Anthony Rizzo has struggled, and you can put him at designated hitter if need be. Uh, I think he's a perfect fit for the Yankees. Another, yeah, another team we just talked about though, who could be a good fit: Texas Rangers. Yeah, not a bad. They need outfield. They got Nathaniel Lowe, who should have a better second half. Um, they've got a plethora of pros- pitching prospects mm-hmm. uh, that the Cubs would gladly take that are up there, Major League ready. Um, another team that has floated around interest, the Miami Marlins. They could use him at first base or in the outfield and bring Jazz back into the infield if they need to because they're hurting for offense, and any team can use left-handed hitting, right? Any team can take... Uh, a left-handed hitter, and it does look like he is still on the IL right now because Kowser, Hayes, McKenna, and Santander are the only active outfielders for the Orioles at this point in time. Yeah. Also, so, by the by the way, it's only the f- top of the fifth inning, and it's currently nine to seven, I believe, in the Cubs game. Eight, 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 seven. Eight, seven. I thought something was <laughs> happening this fast. I was like, oh my gosh, they just changed pitchers, and something's yeah. happening already. Yeah. Uh, so Aaron Bummer coming in, and hopefully it's a bummer for White Sox fans after this inning. But uh, wah, wah. Aaron Hicks is just going to the IL. So uh, the Orioles, I mean, I don't think the Orioles, if the Orioles need to do anything, it's not on offense. It's on the mound. and um, For I, sure. So Cody Bellinger, we've both said the Yankees. 
Paul Goldschmidt, do you see him getting traded? And if so, where? I like Paul Goldschmidt. Um, I would love him to go back to the Diamondbacks. I would love him to we go back to the Diamondbacks. We, we, we shouldn't just... We, okay. <laughs> I have Arizona Diamondbacks written down for Paul Goldschmidt. But I think actually the better fit of the Cardinal player going to the Diamondbacks would be Arenado. They've got Christian Walker at first base. They right. really don't have a third baseman stud. Hasn't Christian Walker played third base in his career though? I think I want. Uh, I think he came up as a first baseman. It was Jake Lamb that Jake came Lamb. up as the third yeah. baseman who had a pretty good base. start. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, that's who it was. Uh, Jake Lamb. Um, I traded uh, when Aaron Judge was in AAA. I traded traded for Jake Lamb. I traded Judge away as a AAA player. Yeah. That was smart. In the fantasy um, <laughs> so the uh, the the we're talking about Cardinals players here. The Orioles and Cardinals line up very well too. The Orioles have hitters and pitchers available. Yeah, um, the Cardinals with Flaherty. Uh, I don't I don't see Arenado getting traded at all. But I could. See, I don't either. He's too controlled. I could see Arenado staying and then building around him. But I do think Goldschmidt. If they're going to trade him, this is the year to do it. Um, and Walker has not. He's only DH, played first base and in the outfield a few times. But he played with the Baltimore Orioles for a few years before heading in to Arizona. So the next name hey, on really? the list would be Jack Flaherty. I had him going to the D-backs. I think he would be a good arm for the Diamondbacks to help bolster that rotation. He's a veteran who's been there before, who's had a rough couple of years due to injury, I think. He's pitched better as of late, though. Um, and I think it would be a nice change of scenery. I think he's a free agent at the end of the year as well. So Flaherty to the Diamondbacks, uh, they wouldn't have to give up a ton because he's not going to be com- commanding a ton from the the Cardinals, but they've got the prospects. I think that I, I don't want to see the Cardinals bolster up on any prospects at all, but I think the Diamondbacks would fit um, with Jack Flaherty. Right. I think the clubhouse is absolutely terrible this year. Ever since Tyler O'Neill got benched by the manager for, I think the Cardinals just shit the bed from the beginning of the season. Flaherty could use that, (laughs) could use the uh, change of scenery, like you said already, and turn it on. He's he he's a former ace. He's like you said, been there. He has the stuff, and maybe just to go to a a team that's actually competing because the Cardinals haven't been all year. They've, it it they've gives you a little basement. more juice, right? You look at the teams that even when Verlander came over from the Tigers to the Astros, didn't he just explode? Absolutely. I mean, you get a little bit more it, of it, a. It, it a was a little sticky up. situation there <laughs> when he went from the Tigers to the Astros. Um, pun intended, but. Uh... <laughs> so Jack Flaherty, and we're going to go with another Cardinal pitcher, Jordan Montgomery. Who do you think he will end up with? The Orioles. <laughs> the Orioles are getting all the pitchers, according to Michael. <laughs> I have the Boston Red Sox. I think that he would be oh, a yeah. good fit with Boston. They need pitching. They need pitching. Um, he knows the AL East. He was with the Yankees for a while. Uh, I think he got traded from the Yankees to the Cardinals, or did he sign? He went from the Yankees to the Cardinals, didn't he? Yes, it was a trade. Last offseason, oh, last last trade deadline, I believe. Um, so that's where I think he's going. Um, so the Cardinals definitely sellers and they've got a lot of pieces. They could expect maybe even Jordan Hicks, their closer to be traded. Um, another name, Tim Anderson. Does he get traded? And if so, where? I don't think he's having the year 
they're selling low on him. I thought he would go to the Dodgers. Me too. Until this um, <laughs> until this amid Rosario trade. Um, he is playing much better as of late. I believe, well, he's two for two tonight. He has yet to hit a home run. He has not hit a home run in more than a calendar year. Tim Anderson, the last home run was back in the middle of July last year. So he's got a full calendar year what? without hitting a home run. Oh, man. He's That's got, awful. Mm-hmm. But for, for for the guy of his caliber, that's I'm, oh. I'm, I'm not saying, you know, you know what I mean? Oh, for sure. But wow. s- since the All-Star break, um, which they opened up with Atlanta, he's had one, two. This is his eighth multi-hit game since the All-Star break tonight. So he's right up there almost with the conversation. Like Cody Bellinger, I think, has 20-something hits. Yeah. He also has 23 RBIs in 20 games. Cody Bellinger. Oh, Let's yeah. go. Yep. Uh, insane. But so Tim Anderson, since the All-Star break, this does not include tonight. He has 15 hits. So he's got 17 hits, including tonight's hits. Um, he's batting near 400 since the All-Star break with a WRC plus uh, of about 150. So he's played much better in the second half. Uh, I know he's dealing with some mental things. Um, cheating on his yeah. wife, I believe, uh, is what the rumor is. Yep. And so maybe a change of scenery. I know he doesn't want to be in Chicago right now. So I think the Dodgers would have been a great spot for him. But now after the moves that they've made the last two days, I don't see that being uh, as much of a fit. So outside of the Dodgers, what what would um, what would a Tim Anderson trade look like? Outside of the Dodgers? Mm-hmm. Did the Marlins use him? At, That's the other team. Just a thinking. bat? A bat, a veteran presence who can play in the middle of that, that lineup. Um, right up the middle, you can put him at second I mean, who base. Did, who did they move Jazz to the outfield for? Uh, a second shortstop, Luis Arise. That's right. I mean, if we look at the Marlins' depth chart here of their bats. Their their pitching staff is great. Sandy Alcantara's almost through a complete game today, I believe. Mm-hmm. Got them the win. And then Jesus Lazardo's looking good. Yuri Perez is coming back. Um, at, at shortstop is Joey Wendell. Yeah. Gene Segura at third base. And he's been awful. Yeah. So they could easily. So Wendell can play third. Tim Anderson can play third. I would put Anderson more show at shortstop than third. Right. But. So another White Sox player, Lance Lynn, who's pitching tonight and just got lit up by the White Sox, uh, by the Cubs, excuse me. Um, where's he going to go? Or do you think he's traded? I think he's traded. He's done after this year with the White Sox, and they're going to tr- trade him for a bag of balls. This was his last start with the White Sox, it right? It, it's got to uh, be. What, what if he went back to the team he just came from with the Texas Rangers? It's possible. I see him. I don't think it's. I don't think it's the best move for the Rangers. I think they're too good on offense to settle for that kind of right. I I think this is a Tampa Bay Rays. Reclamation project. Project. Get him in where he's not the number two or number three in the rotation. He's a veteran. That team needs veterans, right? He's a burly guy. He's a, a wily, just angry guy, right? He's one of those old red asses that they used to call the pitchers back in the day, right? Like a John Lackey type. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 the Rays definitely don't have that. Um, and Eflin I mean, just could, went down. That, that's 
That's what Wander, that Wander Franco needs is a Lance Lynn to come kick him in the ass. Yeah. So I think that would be a good fit is Lance Lynn to the Rays. Another pitcher on that team, Lucas Giolito, um, probably the best available player on the White Sox when right. He's had a good year. He hasn't had a great year. He's had sh- he's had signs of brilliance in his career. It hasn't been all together mm-hmm. the last couple seasons, the last season and a half or so, but he's shown signs of it this year. I have the Cincinnati Reds going after Lucas Giolito. Is Giolito free free agent after this year, right? Yeah, so they don't have to I give think up. That's a great. Yeah, go ahead. I, I think yeah, I, I'll just say what you're about to say. They don't have to give up a lot for him. Um, I think the Dodgers pay the end up coming in swooping him in though for Giolito. I think Giolito gets. Yep, I think the Dodgers come in swoop him away from the Reds from the Reds. I think that's a great fit right there is the Reds. Like you said, they don't have to pay a lot for him. It's not going to cost Encarnacion Strand. Mm-mm. It's not going to cost McLean. It's not going to cost India. No. Who else is – what else do the Reds need? Could they the Reds throw just India need... to the White Sox for for Giolito Plus? Here's the thing. I don't think that you've got anything worth India from the White Sox. He would be a great fit for the White Sox. A second baseman because they've got Elvis Andrews there. Uh, I think they've been playing. Who, who's been playing second base the last couple of nights? They don't have Jake Berger at second base, do they? Yeah, Jake uh, Berger's <laughs> there tonight. <laughs> they've got Jake Berger, uh, all 265 pounds of him playing second base. So they need a second baseman. India would be a great fit. I just don't think that they have the match because it's going to take more than Giolito to get three years of Jonathan India. I don't think the Reds can afford giving India up for just Giolito. Um, you you got to get a bigger haul than that. But I do think that... Now, go ahead. The, the White Sox are saying they don't want to totally sell. They've told teams that Dylan Cease is not available because they want to retool rather than sell. There's two players on that team that shouldn't be touched, and that's Luis Robert and Dylan Cease. Yes. Now, so if you look at the the White Sox prospects, they don't have guys at the top of their mm-hmm. list that are mm-hmm. major league ready. I think they've got the worst farm system in baseball. Jonathan India boosts that. Give up one of these top guys in single A, and you're retooled. You're just with Jonathan, Jonathan India there. Yeah, but the Reds need Second, pitching now, and they need more than just Giolito and a, a single A player. That's why I think that you could get true. rid of a triple A uh, fringe prospect, probably a f- top 15 prospect, maybe one of your pitching prospects, even Williamson, who's pitching for the Reds this year. He's been called up, kind of been forced into duty. You could send him to the White Sox, even with another prospect for Giolito. I'm going Giolito to the Reds. Yeah. the uh, I'm trying to see who else could they pair. I mean, Giolito and Cease for India. Oh, yeah, totally. I, but I don't see the White Sox getting or a Kopech. Cease. Yeah. I Kopech, I don't know if he's available. And you're already losing two thirds of or two fifths of your rotation. Are you going to trade another three? You know what I'm saying? If if Cease is the only guy who's going to stay, um, Kopech is coming up. I think I don't think he has too many more years. But I think he's got a year and a half or two years left. I I think if the Reds could figure out how to get two pitch two uh, maybe Giolito and Lynn for India. But they're both free agents. But again, the, po- the, the whole the whole point of of getting Giolito is it doesn't cost you much. Right. And speaking of costing so. you much, Justin Verlander is he traded or no? The Mets 
um, are young. They're, I don't think they're going to compete again next year if they're if they're trading Mark Canha Canha Canna Canna. They're trading Tommy Pham. That's two of their outfielders. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they're close to competing with the rest of that division. I think you go ahead and get that year and a half, eat a little bit, maybe to get a better prospect. Um, Brett Beatty's not looking at. They've got a shortstop in the minor leagues. I think you do it. I think you. Move Verlander, you Verlander and Serger, if you have to. If the right offer comes, um, I would I'd do it. Here's my thing: is I don't think Cohen wants to sell, and Cohen's gonna say, "I gave you the money. Let's go get some more, and let's try to make a run at it." Because we're not totally out the door, but you're up the track by a little bit. But if you add some depth here and there, you may be okay. I don't I don't see Verlander getting traded, but I just put him on this list because there were some rumors floated around. Next name on the list is a, a name that I think would be a good depth starter, Michael Lorenzen on the Tigers. I have the Reds written down for him as well. He's a former Coming Red. Coming back. He's a former mm-hmm. Red. Uh, he's comfortable. He knows some of the players because he's played with them already. He is a starting pitcher now. He was more of a reliever when he was here in Cincinnati. And again, not going to cost you a ton. So I have Lorenzen going to the Rays. That's a good thought. I think the Reds I think the Reds need a bigger pitcher for sure than the Reds in. And I think it's the next guy on the list that you have here going to the Reds, Eduardo Escobar. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> he he's already playing third base for the Angels. <laughs> Eduardo Rodriguez. Yes. The dude had a great start to the year. I think he's the better pitcher that's available out of Lorenzen and Lance Lynn. Mhm. Um, I think Eduardo would. He's a lefty, isn't he? He is. Is Andrew Abbott a lefty? Andrew Abbott's a lefty. Scott Williams. Oh, not Scott Williamson. Um, there are other Lodolo. Lodolo, but Lodolo's still hurt and on the IL. But at least it's a calf. It's not yeah. an arm thing for him. But maybe, maybe it should be an arm thing for him after the start of the year he had. Yeah, it might be an arm thing that was developed because of the calf injury. That's true. Compensating for the mm-hmm. injury. Uh, I have Eduardo Rodriguez going to a team we've talked quite a bit about, the Baltimore Orioles. The Cubs? No, the Baltimore no. Orioles. I think he would be a great fit with the Orioles. They need starting pitching. They need uh, a, a veteran starting pitcher who has had a great year. He's played with the Texas Rangers. Uh, no, he didn't play for the Rangers, Rodriguez, but he pitched for the uh, Red Sox. The, the the Red Sox, and he was originally with the Tigers before, right? No? I'm, for some reason, I, th- I feel I think like... It, I think he was Red Sox. I know he's with the Red Sox for a while, but I don't think this is his second team. Um, yeah. Let me pop it up real quick. Uh, he, he played oh, Baltimore. Yeah, no, you're right. Pulling up the Orioles depth chart, they could use that guy. So, w- w- Eduardo's just Red Sox and Tigers? Just Red Sox and Tigers, yeah. Hmm, okay. Yeah, I mean, look at this Baltimore depth of their starting rotation. Tyler Wells, Kyle Bradish. They, they have Grayson Rodriguez in there, but... Kyle Gibson. They almost the Baltimore Baltimore could use both Eduardo Eduardo and uh, Giolito. You know, or they Stroman. could use both of them. Yeah. Or Strowman. If the Cubs Strowman's sell. not available, is he? No, not no. not the way this game's going right now. Um, but we'll see. And speaking of available, uh, Jimer Candelario. He's a third baseman for the Washington Nationals. Where do you see him heading? He's traded no matter what. He's got a $5 million deal for one year, so he's going to be gone no matter what. The Nationals are going to try to get something. He's not going to cost you a ton. 
he's not he's not going to be traded into divi- into a division than the Marlins, Mm-mm. even though the Marlins could use him. Mm-hmm. Um, I know exactly who, if if you're not thinking Cubs as well, then then I mean that's the greatest fit right there. The Cubs should have done it last week. I'm tired of Miles Ma- Mastroboni starting at third base. It's ridiculous. Should be the last game that Miles Mastroboni is on the team. He should be DFA as soon as they trade for Candelario after this game. Uh, well, we talked about it on the show last week that they should have just traded for him while he was in town with the in Nationals Chicago. and just come across. Um, I have the Yankees written down because I think that he would be a great fit. He's a switch hitting third baseman who's got. I believe 16, 17 home runs. His RBIs would be second on the Cubs right now if he came over. Um, but that's a good fit for the Yankees as well, um, yeah. especially with that short porch in right field. I would love nothing more for him to come back and play for the Cubs, the team that he came up with in 2016. But it, if the Cubs are going to buy, I think that's a great, great start is Candelario. But they should have done that two, three Arch, weeks huh? ago. What's that? Great start. Correct. What else? What else are the Cubs trading for? Uh, a left-handed reliever, Brad Hand. Um, somebody on the left side of the bullpen, who's going to give you uh, a better matchup than Mark Leiter, who has been great as a right-handed reliever with reverse splits. But you need another solid lefty. Brandon Hughes has been hurt. You don't have Brad Wick anymore. Um, Cody Hewer. You you can't rely on Anthony Hay. Uh, Anthony Kay, um, he's a rookie, I believe, or if he's not a rookie, he doesn't have a whole lot of MLB experience. I think you need a left-handed reliever of your Cubs, but I'm going Jimer Candelario to the Yankees. But if, if the Cubs are buyers, I think he's going to the Cubs because he's got $2 million left on your deal. You don't have to give up the farm for him. You could give up a 20th-ranked prospect for him. You don't have to give up anything huge. A rule, a rule five pick almost right. for the guy. And then the last name I have on the list, obviously there's a lot more names that are going to be moved, but uh, I just wanted to create a, a quick list of some some of the bigger names and some of the names that I think are more likely to be moved. But Brent Rooker from the Oakland Athletics, he's had a career year. He came over, I believe, in the offseason from the Royals. as He's played with the Twins. Uh, he hasn't been as great as he was, I believe, in the month of May, but uh, Rooker is probably the best trade piece on the Oakland Athletics, outside of a few relievers here or there, he's got 16 home runs. He's batting 239, so it's not as great as it was, but still got an OPS of 800, uh, and he's driving in runs for a, an Oakland team that doesn't score a ton. I think he'd be a great fit with the Padres. Where is he playing on the Padres? Anywhere. You can put him at DH. You can put him in the outfield, um, left fielder. Uh, I thought he was a third baseman. Mm-mm. Oh, you're right. He's left fielder. Yeah. Okay, that makes more sense. I was because I was just about to say, you know what, Brent? Because Brent Rooker started the first month or two of the ML season with the highest OPS mm-hmm. in all of Major League Baseball. Yeah, first month and, and a half, I believe. You wonder if some of that fell off just because he's on the A's and it's hard to play day in and day out when you know you're on the A's. Right. Um, first time All Star. Yeah, that'd be a great. Great buy for the Padres. The uh, they have they've made deals with the uh, A's before, so the A's know the Padres system. They just sent they sent over uh, Ruiz over to the A's. Yeah, uh, get just last year. Kiebert Ruiz, right? 
uh Esturi. Yep. I'm thinking Kiebert Ruiz is a different player. Uh Esturi. He went to the Phillies. Yes. From the Dodgers. <clears throat> um so I I would see the Padres as a pretty good fit. Where, where do you have him? Um if he played infield, <laughs> I think the the Cubs could have fit him at third base. But he doesn't I thought play he played third field. base. But he plays outfield. Um could the could the Marlins fit? I, mean, I think the Padres is a great. I'm trying to think of a different fit. The Padres out. I mean, if they move Jazz Chisholm just back in, mm-hmm. he could fit in. Uh, Braylon De La Cruz can go to center field, the great greatest. Um, but to get a bat, just to get a bat and get some offense going. Yeah. The Marlins. I mean, we listen. The Marlins just any bat would be good for the Marlins. Yeah. Well, we are five days away from the trade deadline. We've promised it. We haven't talked about it yet as a a pair, but I, I'm I'm gonna I'm going to lock Michael in for this without his knowledge. On Monday, July 31st, we're gonna do a YouTube live podcast for about an hour to talk about the trade deadline. Uh, All right, we'll let's do go, this. Let's go. Let's go. Monday, July 31st. Probably looking at about 8:30 uh, Eastern time. This is about the night. Before the trade deadline. So this is going to be the night where there's a lot of action leading up into the trade deadline. That's hug watch. So tune in on our YouTube page at barrels and barrels pod. I just uh, subscribed Michael um, to something that we didn't talk about, but I meant I wrote it down as something we needed to talk about before the episode and just skip. Lives are always great. When we've done Instagram lives, it's there's always more than one bottle of bourbon sitting next to us. Yes. And it won't be a normal episode where we're doing a review. We'll just talk about some whiskey that we're drinking and maybe pop open a bottle or two or uh, maybe just drink out of our new glassware. But before we dive into more of the glassware stuff and our final top 10 pile rankings update before we let you go, I just talked with uh, sports gambling expert Matt Maltepis from the phillygodfather.com. We've talked to him earlier this year already, so let's jump right into that interview about his thoughts on the second half. And now we welcome in one of our previous guests, one of our, I, I think you're the most senior guest on our show, Matt. Matt, from the College Kids, you can find him on Twitter, TCK underscore experience. Of course, we are great friends with the College Kids. Over from the phillygodfather.com, Matt, you're overseas right now. First, tell our audience and viewers where you're at. I'm in Paros, Greece. I just came back from Mykonos, Greece. Um, I guess you could say island hopping. Uh, having a beautiful oh, nice. time. The weather's beautiful. The people are awesome. Couldn't be more friendlier. I'm back home. I can't. I can't complain. I love it. No, and it looks like you've got a beautiful day. I want to say thank you for giving us a couple minutes of your time while you're on vacation. Huge props to you. Uh, you didn't have to do this, but we always appreciate when you jump on Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast. So baseball season, we're about a hundred games or more into the season. We're a couple days away from the trade deadline. Does the trade deadline impact how you handicap games after the deadline or going into the deadline? Because sometimes you may have players that are sitting for a reason because they may be traded in the next couple of days. Yeah, so you definitely got to be wary of what's going on. You got to be aware of the situations and the players that might be on the block just in case. And especially, I mean, if you're betting a future too and you're looking at a team that might be looking to be buyers on the trade market, well, that's big in terms of your futures bets. Um, so you always got to be aware of what's going on in different situations, different players moving. If a team acquires a Tani 
at you know right at the trade deadline like that just that she blows everything out of the water the dude's the mvp he he's showtime right. he's showtime you know he can do it all and he's maybe probably the best player in our league uh mob so yeah uh you definitely got to be keeping your eyes open and ears uh open as well yeah, you just mentioned Otani. The Angels have had a pretty good resurgence in the last couple of days. As a non-betting question, you think he is going to be traded, or do you think he stays with the Angels? Look, I, I can't, I can't predict the future. Although, you know, we're, <laughs> we, try. We're, we try. We're pretty good. Uh, I, honestly, I have no bet on it. So, if I'm not going to bet it, I wouldn't give you anything to, you know, what I mean, go on. But I'm very interested to see because. He's uh, he's one of my favorite players to watch because you never get you don't get to see players like that anymore. Players that mm-hmm. he's pitching he's out there pitching gems and then he's out there hitting homers like it's just such a lost art. This isn't the old days where people used to do it. Like it's it's just uh, amazing to watch wherever he goes. I wish him uh, success and I just want to watch him, man. Just yeah. it, it's always good to take in the greatness of players, whether it's in basketball, LeBron James, people get so focused on the little things and hate and all these other things. But at the end of the day, these guys are amazing players. Just let them be and appreciate the greatness. Yeah, man. He has been something special to watch, whether he's chucking a hundred mile per hour fastballs <laughs> pitch after pitch, or he hit one 490 plus feet the other day uh, on the right field. But Shohei will be a big thing going forward and where he's at. So we're a hundred games in, um, the new rules, that's been the biggest thing in baseball, faster game times. But have you noticed anything run scoring-wise? Is it up this year, or is it about the same when it comes to gambling lines? Where are they setting these these totals to start? So, so now a lot of times you're seeing, like today, um, a couple of numbers came out, and they're, post- they're at 9.5, right? They're, they're a little mm-hmm. higher than that, you know, the key number of 9. They have a half run over. Uh, you're looking at a total, total on Cincy. Uh, t- some totals in Cincy are now hitting 11. They're, they're being posted at 11. So you're definitely seeing uh, some higher totals posted for the oddsmakers. And that's, you know, obviously a factor because, you know, you have the new rules. And last time I came on the podcast, I talked about the runs being scored in the top five teams and the bottom four teams and how much runs are being scored compared to last year and how the numbers have gone up. Like, so mm-hmm. the oddsmakers, obviously, and we're in the hot weather months of July where the ball's flying. So obviously they're adjusting a little bit. Uh, so does that hurt value then when it's a half a run higher from that key number of nine? So yeah, you, you, just, you always uh, that key number of nine is such a key number. Uh, you guys, when you're handicapping these games, you want to be aware of those numbers. But we are in those hot months, so every game's its own, and you got to be able to you know handicap it where the value is. A uh, certain number depending on what's going on with the pitchers, with the hitters. You're talking about guys sitting out, whatnot. You know. If the game is at nine and a half, well, maybe maybe you might have some value on the under. But truthfully, it's very hard in these hot months to uh, be going under. You got to be very wary of what games you do go under. Yeah, so that just sparks the question. Say you've got one of the better pitchers out there who's having a great season, who's been pitching well, but you also have a weather ballpark where like a Wrigley Field or a Great American Ballpark where the ball usually flies and you've got perfect weather for that. Do you just lay off the game or do you lean one so you, direction you, or the other? You never want to force a bet. That's the first thing, first rule in sports betting, like mm-hmm. one of them at least. You never want to force anything. It, 
if you're not comfortable, don't even touch the game. There's no – everyone wants to bet all these primetime games. They want to bet all these – oh, it's the Super Bowl. It's the NCAA championship. I got to bet it. I got to put more money. Like, that makes no sense, man. If you're not feeling comfortable with the situation and what's going on, well, then maybe just take a step back and lay off. So that's mm-hmm. my advice. That's great advice because I do think the same way. A lot of people get – in the mindset, I have to, I have to make it better. Yeah. I have to make it one way or another. Something else. No one's forcing you. No one has a gun to your head and forcing you to bet. I mean, right. If they do, well, then you know, <laughs> do as much research as you can. But yeah, yes. no, you yes. definitely you don't have to. So we're just about to the trade deadline. I've mentioned that a couple of times. We're now into the second half, past the All Star break. Um, there were some teams earlier in the year that were looking like a better bet. Now they haven't been as great. Uh, there are teams that have faded, like the Marlins. They were looking great two weeks ago, and they've lost nine out of ten. What are there any teams right now that are under the radar that we need to watch potentially for futures bets, or just maybe just keep a close eye on as we get to the deadline? So. I think the Yankees are obviously at the bottom of their division. But if you're looking at their pitchers, they have a pitching staff and they have some obviously talented players on that team, right? You're looking at you have Cole uh, Radon. I know he was out for a little. He's back, right? You had, uh, what's his name, Severino, German. You have some guys, German pitched a perfect game. like So you have these guys mm-hmm. that are talented. If they can just put it all together, and obviously at the trade deadline, the Yankees are known to try to make moves and whatnot, right? They're uh, always looking to compete. And so that's a team you definitely want to watch out for. And, I mean, you can get some, you know, good numbers on them, maybe 25 to 1. They're the team that can obviously put things together and make a big run and a hot run towards the end and get in the race and, you know, have a shot. So that's a team I definitely think you should keep an eye on. So the New York Yankees is a team to keep an eye on. Well, Matt, thank you so much. Uh, Appreciate all your time. You guys, we're getting close to football season. It's they, I think football camp opened today here in Cincinnati, to be honest, as the Bengals reported to camp. That means we're just, what, six weeks away from games. What do you guys got coming down the pipe? Oh, we have a lot. We have a lot in store for football season. The action is officially back for football season, the NFL, college awesome. football. So make sure to stay tuned to that. We'll have more details soon. Yeah, follow the action. A great podcast and uh, a great gambling episode show. I used to watch it back when you guys had it all the time, uh, back when I was in Alabama. So I'm looking forward to seeing that back. Uh, Go give these guys a follow. uh, TCK underscore experience, the college kids, uh, sports betting, um, basketball, football, whatever it is. We are baseball, of course, but we love all sports. Matt, thank you so much for joining us again from Greece and taking a couple minutes out of your time on your vacation. Enjoy the rest of that. Stay cool. I know it's hot out there. It's hot. It's very hot. Super hot. <laughs> Trust me. It's uh, it's beautiful, but, you know, definitely need to get some air conditioning in me. <laughs> well, get some water, hydrate up, and uh, get ready for uh, an awesome football season and an awesome run to the, the playoffs. We'll talk with you later on in the season if that's all right. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be back on anytime. Just let me know and let's make it happen. Let's go, brother. Thanks for joining us. Love you guys. Bye. And a big thank you to Matt from the phillygodfather.com, the college kids experience on Twitter. Go check them out. You can also find some of our videos on their YouTube page. Sometimes we share it with them as well. Uh, So go head out over to their page. Go look at their stuff. He just gave out the New York Yankees World Series champions plus 4,000. 
That means 40 to 1. For every dollar you win 40, uh, doesn't mean that they're going to win the World Series, but there's a lot of value there. So go head on over. I found it at 40 to 1 on FanDuel right now. So it might be a good sneaky bet. If the Yankees sneak into the playoffs, you can make a little bit of money hedging the bet or sell the bet uh, on a prop, prop swap or something along those lines. So thank yeah. you again to Matt. What do you think about that? The Yankees. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean, some good, good, good points. The Rodon just got going; just made his fourth start for the mm-hmm. Yankees. Um, I mean, Herman. If is... they're going to make a trade, they're going to be buyers. Yep. So you, you're, the judge is going to come back. That's like a trade, and they're going to add more. They're going to. It's the Yankees. As long as Judge stays healthy and their rotation stays stays healthy, I think that they've got a shot. But they're not in either of our top 10 power rankings and our power rankings. You can find every Monday on our YouTube channel at Barrels and Barrels Pod exclusively on our YouTube channel. And that is brought to you by 10th Mountain Whiskey and Spirit Company. Go to 10th Mountain Whiskey's website. That is 10thwhiskey.com. And use that promo code BNB for 10% off your order. So again, whatever that is you're buying from the website, 10% off. 10% off whiskey. 10% 10% off whiskey, 10% off hats, 10% off any mixers, anything along those lines. So again, go to 10thwhiskey.com, use promo code BNB for 10% off your order. I just gave it away that the Yankees are not in our top 10, but quickly, Michael, to run through our top 10, if you're looking for more information about it, you got to go look at our previous episode that we posted earlier this week. But Michael, who's your top 10? Quick, yeah, go. You got to go. You got to watch it on YouTube to understand why the crap does Michael have the Boston Red Sox at number 10? <laughs> yes. Why? <laughs> who's the ninth? Uh, so at ninth, I got the Houston Astros uh, at eighth, even though they were, you know, on you know, some kind of random was flabbergasted by this. So you have to go find out why. The Red Sox, the Diamondbacks are at eight. The Reds are at seven. Six is the Milwaukee Brewers. Five is the Tampa Bay Rays. Four is the Texas Rangers. And maybe you'll have to go check out the YouTube page for my top three. Yeah, go find the top three there as well. My top 10, without the top three, I go the Philadelphia Phillies in 10th, the Cincinnati Reds in 9th, the Toronto Blue Jays 8th, 7th is the Milwaukee Brewers, 6th the Tampa Bay Rays, 5th is the Houston Astros, 4th the Texas Rangers. And if you're looking for our top three, you've got to go find it in our previous YouTube video right here on our YouTube channel. Again, watch next week, Monday. We're going to be doing our top 10 power rankings, week 18. That'll drop Monday morning, Monday evening. We've got a live version of Barrels and Barrels on our YouTube page. And then we're going to have another episode coming down the pike next week. We've got two interviews that'll be dropped here shortly. We're going to have more whiskey reviews. We just got a bottle from Barrel company of barrel craft spirits of batch 35 that'll be shipped out to michael later on this week we've got glassware to sell we've got hats to sell we've got more 10th mountain whiskey we've got 291 colorado whiskey to sip uh and enjoy so we've got a lot coming down the pike we're really starting to expand big thank you to everybody who listens every week and supports us don't forget to go follow us on instagram at barrels and barrels pod facebook at barrels and barrels pod TikTok at Barrels and Barrels Pod and on Twitter at Barrels and Barrels. YouTube is at Barrels and Barrels Pod. Don't forget to subscribe and like our videos. We're putting out more exclusive content right there. And again, don't forget to use that promo code BNB at 10th Mountain Whiskey's website. That's 10thwhiskey.com. We're on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher for a couple more days, Amazon, Google, and iHeartRadio podcasts. I am Brandon. That is Michael. Thank you again, Michael Burns. Episode 35.
we've made it this far and we're going to continue on. You have any thoughts? We've only just begun. <laughs> Serenade us, buddy. <laughs> Serenade us, buddy. <laughs> Let's go.